Hello and welcome to the podcast. Acknowledge them, remember them. My name is Paula. This podcast is a place for parents to remember their babies and to talk openly and safely about them. Each episode I will speak with a parent about their baby who has gone too soon through miscarriage, stillbirth, neonatal death, termination for medical reasons or other reasons. Before I start, I need to say a word of thanks to Anchor FM for hosting this podcast. Anchor FM is a free mobile app that allows you to record, edit and publish your podcast all from your phone and all for free. They have a wealth of knowledge and support so that you can get the best from your podcast. They will publish and promote your podcast on the usual streaming services, including Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker Audio, Apple Podcasts, and a whole host of others, all for free and all from your phone. In this week's episode, I speak with Caroline, who is mum to Stephen. Stephen was born on the 20th of October 2015. Hi Caroline and welcome to the podcast. Hi Paula, thank you for having me. No problem. Um, so you are Stephen's mum and uh, whenever you're ready, if you would please share Stephen's story with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for having me to be able to share this story. Um, Stephen was our third baby and um, we have two older girls and he was very much wanted. He was a planned baby. All of my pregnancies have been planned. Um, and so I was 20 weeks and two days um, pregnant on Stephen. I was feeling a bit unwell, so I went to my GP and GP said that basically um, because there had been colds in the house that I was, it was probably just that. Um, I just felt really off. Like I got up that morning. It was a Monday morning and I got up and I hadn't felt... Um, they move, which I normally would have felt first thing in the morning. So I kind of had, I suppose the only way to describe it was like, even though I was pregnant, I felt empty. Um, yeah, I went to the GP anyway that afternoon and he said, go home, take paracetamol. It could be just the start of a cold. And, you know, that was absolutely fine. But then I was starting to get um, pains and they kind of increased over the day then point was paracetamol wasn't working anymore so I rang the doctor on call and they basically said well, look how long if you're a neighbour you can't do anything about it so then I rang the hospital the maternity hospital and I was speaking to the midwives and they were um, saying just keep going with the paracetamol and if, if it gets worse then to come in so at about 3 o'clock in the morning my husband um, both our daughters in the car and we flew off to the hospital, which we flew off to the hospital. Um, and so when I got to the hospital, um, we had to stay outside with the girls. And so this was going back to 2015, October 2015. Right. Um, did you know, so did you think you were in labour or did you just not know what the pains were like? I didn't know what the pains were but I know on the way to the hospital we reached a certain point in the road and I just had this 
sense that it wasn't going to end well. Right. Um, and I, I, I think I just, I started crying at that point, and Martin was like, no, it's going to be okay, we're going to be fine, and I, just, I couldn't even speak. I just knew that there was something, I just knew it wasn't going to end well. <laughs> um, so, well, yes, yeah, when we got into the hospital anyway, I was brought in straight away, and they examined me, and the doctor came in, and um, they... So yes, basically he wanted to do an ultrasound, and so I turned my head away from the screen. I couldn't, I couldn't look. Yeah. Um, but he was kind of, you know, using, oh, he was putting probe all around my stomach, mm. and there was nothing, nothing happening. And I couldn't hear any, any sound. And then he said, um, I'm struggling to hear baby's heartbeat here. Um, so he said, I think I'm going to have to get somebody else to come in. He said, I can't really see the baby properly. And then I turned around and you could see a perfect outline of a baby, but no heart flickering, heart mm. flickering. Um, so yeah, he went and he got another doctor who came in and yeah, she confirmed um, that there was no heartbeat. Now they were going to send me home um, and then allow it to progress naturally. But when, when I had been admitted, because I have type 1 diabetes, so everywhere I go, like they always, if I'm admitted to hospital at all, they always do a blood test. Mm. So basically, the, after a while, they came back with the blood test results and said, um, no, you're not going anywhere, you have to stay in. Um, and basically, when the doctor re examined me, he said, actually, your cervix is violating and you're in labour. So that was a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. Um, so this was going on in the, the early hours of Tuesday morning, and we had been booked in for the anomaly scans um, that day anyway. So for half 11 on the Tuesday, we were booked in for the anomaly scan. So they wanted me to go for that anyway, yeah. just to see if there was anything that would show up for a reason um, why Stephen had passed away, if there was any abnormalities. But no, um, there was absolutely none. He was perfectly fine. Um, and it was there that we found out that he was a boy. So then we were trying to decide things. But at that point, I think I was absolutely devastated because I knew how much Martin wanted his son. He had two daughters and he absolutely doted on them. Um, but I knew what it would be to have a son. Yeah. Well, what I hoped it would be for him to have a son. Um yeah, so basically we went back up to the ward then and we had to take a name and we didn't have to, but we were, you know, we were told that, um, well, this baby was going to be born and he could be buried. So that was kind of a big, it was a bit of a shock to the system because, you know, we weren't even thinking that far ahead, but the midwife said, no, your baby, you're going to give birth to a baby and he's going to be big enough to be buried or, you know, to have a funeral. Mm. Um, so we, yeah, I think that actually that floored Martin. He was like, you know, up until that point, he was trying to stay strong, and he, yeah, that was kind of a breaking point for him. Yeah. Nobody ever wants to think of how, like, you know, burying their children or organizing a funeral for their child. Um, so it's certainly not before they're even here, like, no, in that sense, no, yeah. no, not at all. Um, but yeah, I spent, I suppose, towards the day progressed anyway, and they brought me up to the labour ward. They were going to let me 
have the baby in the room that I was in um, when I was admitted, but because of my diabetes and because I'd had two sections previously and the way the contractions were going, they were just afraid that it might do more damage they needed to be somewhere that they could control it if something happened. Yeah. Um, so they brought me up to the labor ward. Um, I got an epidural. Um, and yeah, so basically then it was kind of, you know, waiting. Um, the midwife came in and one of the doctors came in and he said it takes going to be another few hours. So Martin went off to ring his mum and while he was gone, he was just hanging up the phone and <laughs> I think I just screamed at him. He just made it out in time. Um, and Stephen was born at quarter to three on the Tuesday afternoon. Um, it was a very real experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the living ward and I could hear babies around me being born and crying, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a sound in the room. Yeah. Um, this season, and that was, I suppose that was, it was so destroying. It was so destroying anyway, the fact that he wasn't, you know, alive. And mm-hmm. I suppose Martin was a bit, Nervous about seeing him because he didn't know what to expect. Yeah. We both, not either one of us, we knew we were having a baby. We knew the baby was growing. But again, if you don't expect, you know, you're not sure what to expect when you're going through something like this and then you give birth to a baby and you don't know what's gonna, what it's going to look yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he was absolutely perfect. Ten fingers, ten toes. He had really long fingers and really long feet. And he was the image of Martin. Um, and the only problem with Stephen was that he was too small. So he was 20 weeks and two days gestation and he weighed 420 grams. Um, so, yeah, because of that, he's not recognised as having been born or existed. But um, he very much, he's very much a part of our family. We have a, a thing in our family where um, we're all different animals. So... Um, for the four of us that were here with Martin and myself and the two girls, we had our animals. And then when I was starting to dance these, we were like, okay, well, we need to figure out an animal for this baby. Mm. But because he arrived early, we hadn't really gotten to that point of deciding. But then Martin told the girls anyway that he had been born and it would be an animal. So they picked the butterfly. So he is our eternal butterfly. So butterflies have a huge significance for us. Um, And, yeah, so he's he's our third child, and he always will be our third child. Um, And I constantly, there's his name from the rooftop, constantly talk about him. He's included in pretty much everything that we do. Um, We have the little teddies that we got from Balacon. So we're in the memory box. Um, so there was two little teddy bears and when I was in the hospital with Stephen I would swap them around so he'd have one that had my smell on it and vice versa and I would just keep swapping them every day um, so he has one with him and I have one now and Stephen bear and he goes everywhere so when we go on holidays he comes with us yeah. um, he's in pretty much all our photographs and at Christmas, we all got new Christmas jammies, um, and he got a little Christmas jumper. <laughs> it's a little jumper that was like, you know, for the elf on the shelf. Yeah. 
what if it's Stephen Bear. Stephen Bear, perfectly so. That's his Christmas jumper. Um, people probably think I'm batty, absolutely crazy, but you know, it's something that is important. It's not just important for Martin and me, it's also important for, for Amy and Sammy for them to know and remember their brother because at the end of the day, they came in to the hospital, they held him, they loved him. They were like, we have photographs of the two of them holding him and they're absolutely beaming. They're so proud. Yeah. And they're just big, my smiley face. And like, you know, I could show you a picture of Amy, of her holding Stephen, and then I could show you a picture of her holding her sister, yeah. Lydia, who we had a year, maybe two years after Stephen was born. Um, and it's the exact same smile. Yeah. And the exact same pride in her face. Mm. You know, so it's it's hugely important for us that he is remembered um, in everything that we do. Mm. Um, and he should be it anyway, because he's, he's your son, he's he's your child, so why not remember yeah. him and include him, like? Well, that's it, like, yeah. you know, and he, like on his birthday, um, we always have cake, we always do something, like, the zoo is our kind of go-to place, and mm. um, we would always go to the zoo. And then on his first his first anniversary away from home, we ordered um Martin ordered the little larvae from I can't remember where it was, but it was basically so it's growing your own butterflies. Mm. So we had them delivered and I suppose just like two weeks before his first birthday we had to release them because we we just didn't know if we'd be able to see them through to his first birthday. Mm. But it was just it was fascinating watching them. Watching them grow, watching them turn from the caterpillars into, hmm. you know, going into the little cocoon and then coming out then as butterflies. Again. So we, we actually had five of them, which was, there were five of us in yeah. the family at that time, so that was usually significant for us. Yeah. Um, and we have a shelf, what we access to now, we have to, we have to upgrade the shelf. just getting the film with stuff. But, um, like every Christmas, um, my daughters, when they're doing their letters to Santa, they'll always ask, you know, for something for him to play with. Yeah. Um, so every year he gets a little toy. First year he got a, a little Star Wars car. Mm. And then he got an Ewok. And he's got like, um, oh, he's got a few different different things that he's gotten like over the years. So yeah. He's had five Christmases away from us, so I'd like to just come to that's gonna, it'll, it'll keep going, you know, yeah. Santa will just keep bringing him something, and, um, and if anybody has numerous friends who've seen something in the shape of a butterfly, or um, an ornament, or something with Stephen's name on it, and then, yeah. you know, that they pick it up and that they, you know, give it to us, and that means so much, yeah. absolutely so much, mm. to us just to have just to have him remembered by others. Mm. Like, when I write Christmas cards or birthday cards, I don't always, I don't write his name, but I always draw a little butterfly on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of my way of, you know, without... Him. Yeah, and yeah. like, it's not a case that I'm trying to, like, you know, okay, this is for you to remember Stephen. It's for me that I'm remembering him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To receive a card or letter or something that it has all of us and Stephen or all of your gang or you know just have some sort of mention of him yeah 
It's um, nice that they that people acknowledge them. That's I think oh, yeah. for me is like when people put Tig's name on stuff. Um yeah. I'm saying like, okay, you actually acknowledge that I do have a son. Yeah. 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 It's hugely important and I think, you know, the boo will get about your birth and miscarriage, it has to end at some point and I think now is a time where we are becoming more vocal, we are people are becoming more aware. Um, about stillbirth and about that it's okay to say the baby's name like okay we're probably going to get obsessed mm. but it's not the obsess it's not the same kind of upset as if you don't talk about it. yeah they're, they're, they're kind of a bittersweet happy tear yeah 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 mm. and it's the acknowledgement of saying your baby's name um, and and knowing that they existed and knowing how important they are to us, mm. you know, that might upset us, but it's a kind of a, like I know for Christmas has gone by, Martin's brother in Australia and his partner, they sent over gifts for all of us, mm-hmm. but they had one as well for Stephen. Yeah. So basically it was this little pot and you could, you grow grass out of it. An animal, wombat or something that he got. Mm. But we all got one. So, and um, that was just, yeah, I was really emotional, but I was happy emotional, yeah. not sad emotional. Yeah. Not like there was despair that, oh no, another event has come along and everybody else has been mentioned except for him. Yeah, except that's, for yeah, so, that's, that's worse when people include, they don't include him. And instead it's yeah. just like, you know, Caroline's and the, the three children, as opposed yeah. to, well, actually, no, I have four. Yeah. 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 And I suppose, like, one of the things when... I was in labour with Stephen, the midwife said it to me, that, um, okay, your baby, he's big enough to, um, big enough to be, to birth him and big enough to be, um, cremated or have a funeral. But because he's born before 24 weeks, he won't be recognised and he won't get a stillbirth certificate. So, that was a bit of a, a bit of a, Shock, I suppose, and initially I kind of thought, there's something, there's something not right here. Like, you know, then I thought one of the nurses was going to the state. Yeah. Then, no, the, the captain came in and he said the same. And there, there has to be something wrong here. So basically, um, you've but, just had a baby who's lying beside you in your little cot. But they're yeah. telling you, sorry, we don't recognize him. Or the state doesn't recognize him. as being born by the state because he did not meet the criteria for stillbirth with being born after 24 weeks of gestation or if born before 24 weeks showing no sign of life weighs more than 500 grams. Even was 420 grams. So if he'd been the weight of one of my friends had three more cookies we wouldn't be having this discussion. I'm like, no. No. And the, the big trigger for that was that after I had Stephen and I was in the room with him, um, he was lying in the cuddle cot that was, which is, it's an amazing thing. It's like, you know, you want your baby to be beside you. But the cuddle cot is like the cold cot so that it keeps the baby at an optimum temperature yeah. to preserve the skin for as long as possible. And um, so he was beside me in the room and everybody, 
every member of staff in the hospital came in. They all came in, they all congratulated me. Um, and they all went up and they all put their hand on the blanket that he, um, he was wrapped in and said, oh my God, congratulations, he's gorgeous. Mm. You know, and that was a huge thing. And I suppose for me, it was a conflict. It's like, that doesn't make sense. If all these people are here and they see him, they and they're acknowledging him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't know how many people said to Martin that he couldn't deny him. Yeah. Because they look so alike. And yet here, when it came to, like, you know, no, he wasn't going to get anything. He wasn't going to get a, a birth cert or a death cert or a stillbirth cert. Um, even though I gave birth to him, even though he was physically here, even though we have the little hat that he wore, we have the little cocoon that he was in. Um, you have photographs of him. <laughs> we have photographs of him. How can you? We have, yeah, we have so much. We have photographs of the girls holding him. We have his teddy bear. No, I think have you a, have you have his, footprints, his footprints as well, do you, from Felicons, from the box? Yeah, we got... The impressions. Um, that's what I'm trying to think. We yeah, put impressions and we have them now cast in bronze. Um, I have his footprints tattooed across my shoulder. Mm. Um, so it's going from like a big butterfly and his footprints are going across my shoulder towards my heart because that's where he's always going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a bitter pill to swallow. Not to have him officially recognised. And I suppose the main thing that triggered that as well was that after he was born and he, I was in the room with him, that my uncle texted me to say that he was in the middle of doing the family tree. And he said that um, he'd added Stephen to the family tree. Yeah. Now, he did say to me, he said, I'm really, really sorry, he said, but, you know, he asked us to look, um, think of a number um, that would mean something to us, but it wouldn't mean anything else to anybody else wouldn't mean anything to anybody else. Mm-hmm. So we decided to write his name in numbers. Mm-hmm. So under his name on the family tree, there is this number. But with everybody else that has a number, there is an official number within the birth death. They're in the registry, yeah. In the, um, the general registry office. So if somebody was going in years to come to look up Stephen's number on the family tree, it would come back completely blank. There's nothing because he doesn't have a, an official birth or death certificate or a silver certificate. But he does have a passport. <laughs> I mean a passport in the sense that Stephen was cremated. So if we want to bring his ashes out of the country, we have a letter to say that, yes, we are carrying um, the ashes of a male baby. Okay, sorry. I'm, it's not that I'm confused here. I'm, I don't know whether the word is baffled, because they're going, you have something that the state are saying this doesn't exist, but yet you need to have a letter to give you permission to take something that doesn't exist outside the country. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, it's just when you say no, it out loud like that, you're kind of going, this does not make any sense. Yeah. Um, it's it, the mind boggles. Because he was born, and that is the biggest one. 
the fact that he does not have an official birth death or stillbirth certificate. He's not recognized as having been born, even though I gave birth. Mm. I did not give birth to nothing. Yeah. I did not go through labour and deliver nothing. I did not hold nothing. Mm. I don't have pictures of nothing. Yeah. I don't have a memory box full of things for nothing. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's very, very confusing. Mm. And so I suppose from that then it was a case of, well, I just, I, talking to Martin and I just said, look, we have to do something about this. And, you know, and I was talking to the green midwife and she goes, got Caroline, she goes, it's going to be a big, big ask. And she said, and like her and the, Staffing in the hospital and any of the staff that I had spoken to, the doctors and all, they said, it is so unfair that that's just the way it is. I said, well, why does this have to be the way it is? Mm. And basically it came back to that nobody had, nobody had, I want to say, been strong enough to do something about it because it is something that's taken a lot, a lot of perseverance and ups and downs like because we decided that no we want to change we want change to happen and mm. um, because there's too many people being affected by it and yeah. um, too many families you know and especially with the whole stigma that was there with stillbirth and miscarriage that it's like well why are we or why is this state saying that you know babies that are have been born well they don't exist mm. you know it you can't really explain that to somebody because like I said, you have the physical evidence, but then you've been told, well, no, you don't get anything for that. Mm. And like, not only that, it was like, there's no form of maternity leave for women who have um, currently a miscarriage or a second trimester loss. And squeezing this class is a late miscarriage, which is a trend that I absolutely hate. So I didn't miscarry him, he was born. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of, we've been lobbying the government for the past Three years. Three years we've been in contact with the government and ministers and senators about trying to get some sort of thing. Currently, the position on it is that um, it is moving, but it's very, very slow. But currently, the officials in the departments that we've been in contact with are looking into the research and best practice in other countries. Okay. And this um, is just to try and get something where all of these babies can be recognised and registered in uh, a sense. Yeah, so it's basically, um, well, we want them to be registered. We want them to be officially registered. Mm-hmm. So there is official paper trail for each baby yeah. that's born. But mm. again, we're not we're not saying that this is compulsory. We're not looking for CMA compulsory. Because we know that there are some people, and you know, they might not want their baby seat out there. They might yeah. not want, you know, people have different strengths and abilities, and you know, different mindsets and stuff. And like, we're not one to judge on anything, you know. No, no, yeah. That's why we're yeah. saying, like, you know, this is something that's hugely important for us, but it might not be important for somebody else. <laughs> so basically, we want an official certificate to say, yes, we have a son, um, and that if you, in years to come, that if Amy and Sammy or Olivia want to do a family tree themselves that they can see that their brother is there. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that in years to come when we're not here, that if anybody else is doing the family tree, 
that he is seeing. Yeah. So it will come to a point where um, people will stop talking about him. Yeah, I can say it's not so much that people stop talking, it's just that as the generations move on, yeah. I, like I obviously don't envision people talking about me in a hundred years' time. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. I as long as it's good, I don't mind. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I I understand that you want his name to be there on an official yeah. register so that it is going to be included forevermore yeah. on all the family trees going forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, and it. Like I know for the next census there is a section that's going to be included on it for anybody who's lost a child through miscarriage or stillbirth that you can write in detail. So is, that, is that, is that the, the box where you can put the detail of something to remember or is there an actual I've had a child who has passed away from miscarriage stillbirth? Or? I think it's um, the part where you include your children um that you can write the details of that, but then on the back of it, you write that, you know, that that child isn't no longer here or yeah. that is the result of miscarriage or stillbirth. Mm. But basically what happens then is that it goes into a time capsule for 100 years. Mm. So in 100 years, it will be seen. Yeah, which is good, but obviously at the same time, I suppose it's a step in the right direction, but to have them um, publicly recognised on a register, that's yeah. that's the better the better option there. Yeah, well, but yeah, we don't want, yeah, again, it comes down to like, we want Stephen to be recognised. We want people to see if they're so interested in it that we have four kids, mm. three girls and a boy. Mm. And Stephen is our son and he is always, always has been, always will be a huge part of our family. Um, and, you know, like I'm, I'm going to... I feel that it's people say to me like especially after Olivia was born you know is it better are you does she help yes she helps but she doesn't replace him God, no. he never has and she never will no you know and it's it's very bittersweet having her here and I wouldn't change it for the world but like again yes it's bittersweet but she doesn't replace him and I'll always have four children yeah um, and like I know I suppose maybe there have been times and I've probably seen the palace and I've said to people well, look how many kids do you have and they tell me like what two three and I say okay take some of them out of the equation yeah. who's replacing who you know mm. and they're like none of them are and I was like well you're, you're asking me is Olivia replacing him mm. am I better now because he's here yeah and you know, simple answer to that is no. I'm never going to stop grieving for my son. No. I'm never going to stop wondering what it is, what he would be doing, and what he's like. Um, you know, so. And he'd be coming um, up to his sixth birthday this year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he'd be he's he's he'd have started school and all by now. Um. He would have started school last year because he would have been five. He was yeah. five in October, so he would have been on the verge of Yeah. So there's like there's a lot of and obviously I don't you know I don't mean to upset but there's there's a lot of milestones there that you know you haven't had I think people have this assumption that when you lose a baby oh, that's it and not that you're not upset like you know but it's like kind of you know well there was no memories 
for you to be upset about saying, oh, remember when we did this and remember, like when you've lost a parent, you've a lifetime of memories with that parent. But I try to explain to them that, well, like, we don't have memories, no, but we've lost. We've lost the ability to make any of those memories. So all those all those firsts, you know, that you should yeah. have, we don't get. So obviously, like for yourself, you, you don't get the first day of school with Stephen um, last September and seeing him running the gates with his two older sisters. No, we don't. We didn't get that. And, you know, like, when we, I suppose, with any of my pregnancies, and no doubt you're the same, that it's like as soon as you find out you're pregnant, that's it. Yeah. You had them graduated, you had them married career, off. Married <laughs> off, you had your grandkids running around, this and the other. You know, and so, yeah, when, when that's taken away from you, it's like, yeah, it's a huge loss. Um, and, like, Stephen died as a result of an E. coli infection. We don't know how. How I got it, how he got it, and mm. um, like basically with him, it was like the minute he was fine on the Sunday, he was kicking away. The rugby was on, mm. and yeah, then on the Monday it was gone. Like and it was that's how quickly it can happen. Like yeah. you know, and that's that's hard to get into your head because it's like it's literally a second, mm. and everything changes. Yeah. Um. But look, we're no, we're we're. We're still going with the campaign. We are hopeful. Um, like anybody that we've spoken to, and it's actually surprising as well, though, like even talking to people in government, like when you bring it to their attention, they're not aware of it. No, that's the thing. I think a lot of people aren't aware of the um, the criteria to be recognised. No, no. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, and I've like I've gone and I've spoken to counsellors, like as in counsellors um, in different political parties. And pretty much they've been in tears in front of me because I've said to them, look, this is my son. I've showed them his picture. Mm. And they're like, oh my God, he's like, he's so perfect. He's yeah. like, you know, you can see he's a baby. Mm. And, and I'm saying, yeah, well, you can see this. But the government is saying, or the state, not even the government, it's the state. Mm. And whoever sat down, sign off on the Act, Silbert Act of 94, said, okay, that's fine, no babies. Baby's born before the 24 weeks and you don't meet the criteria. Mm. That's it. You know, and... Like um, sorry, we sorry, I was going to say a quick question. Yeah, and okay. is, it as, is it as black and white that, you know, if you were, like, if Stephen was 20 weeks, as you say, 20 weeks and two days, but he 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 took a gasp of breath when he came out and showed, like, a minimum sign of life, would he have received certificates? He would have received the birth and a death certificate. Okay, and then if he was 20 weeks, but he was 500 grams, he would have received it. So it's literally just because he was before the 24 weeks and just too small. Yeah. You know, and you're yeah. kind of going like, like, who came up with the 500 grams? Like, <laughs> was it yeah. just a number plucked out of, you know, the sky or? Yeah, like. I don't know where, I know that there's, with all these um, decisions that are made in terms of government, that they have officials and they have a steering group or they have a committee um, dealing with this, or they talk about it. And I was reading through the um, discussion about the 94 Stillbirth Act, and mm-hmm. there was a doctor, and he was he was involved in this discussion. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Basically, he turned around and he said, so... If I have to turn around and tell my wife who loses a baby at 23 weeks and six days, and that baby weighs less than 500 grams, you're expecting me to tell her 
that her baby does not exist. And basically he was told, yeah, because this is the criteria that has been set out. Now, if we'd have been in Australia and he was born because he was born over 20 weeks, he would have been given a a birth and a death certificate. Hmm. You know, so that's what they're looking into right now. But, like, on top of that, there is no maternity leave. So a woman who loses a baby or who gives birth to a baby... Up to, as you say, up to, up to the 23 weeks and 6 days. Oh, so yeah. yeah. They don't get, they won't get maternity leave. They won't, um, they're basically, they'll be entitled to compassionate leave and then they're, they're being forced to go on sick leave. Hmm. But they're not sick. They've had a miscarriage or they've had, like, even in terms of a miscarriage, there is no time off. No. <sighs> and it's not that they're looking for oh, time off to just sit at home and do nothing. It's, it's grief. you're grieving. <laughs> it's, but, that's, but that doesn't mean that you're sick. Yeah. You're grieving. You know, so... That's and even the, I think the, even the maternity leave that you would get, as in the like the standard six months that you get, like that's even nowhere near enough time. I'm not knocking it because obviously you know you're grateful for the time, uh, you know, for recovering physically, um, and then obviously trying to recover emotionally. But like six six months is not enough time to move on from the death of your child. So to turn no, around I- and tell somebody, oh sorry, you've lost a baby before 24 weeks. You'll get three week, three days off if your employer is compassionate enough to give it to you. Yeah. And then yeah. you have to bounce back. <laughs> Pretty much, even though your your body still hasn't fully recovered. Like, my body reacted the same way it reacted after I had Amy and Sam. Hmm. And that was longer than the six-week recovery. You know, so, because I gave birth. I yeah. gave birth. I gave birth to a baby. My body didn't understand that, okay, well, I'm not bringing that baby home. My body was still doing what it needs to do to look after or to, you know, to acknowledge that I've had a baby. Yeah. But again, there's no, there's no means entitlement. And like, I remember saying this to one of the ministers and they were saying that, like, um, when women had um, premature babies, they often found that there was times when women were going back to work their maternity leave was up but the baby would only just come home from hospital. Yeah. Mm. So they they had been saying like, you know, well, we didn't even get a chance to wheel the baby up and down the road in a buggy. Yeah. And then they were forced to go on this leave. But as that minister rightly pointed out, she said they weren't sick. They just hadn't had time to spend with their baby, so their maternity leave had been extended. Mm. So, you know, it's the same for women who lose babies. They're mm. not sick. No. We just need additional support. Yeah. We need time to grieve for their babies. They need time for their babies to recover. And because basically the, the stigma and the taboo that goes around stillbirth. Yeah. They need that to be gone. Which is, I suppose. I was talking about babies like us. Like what you, you're doing now with your podcast and, you know, and what we're doing with the campaign for Stephen is to highlight the fact that we don't have our babies, but we we still remember them. Yes. And they're still very much loved. And it's you know, very and normal. It's normal to include them. It's normal to talk about them. Um, it's yeah. not, you know, it's not unhealthy 
It's not unhealthy for us to remember our, our children who are who are deceased. And we're not living in a past or we're not even being, you know, down in the dumps because we remember them. We're just remembering them the way we remember and acknowledge the children that are living. Yeah, but you it's know. like it's not abnormal to grieve for your parents. It's not abnormal to grieve for a friend you've lost or, no. you know, whether a sister or, you know, mm. as you said, somebody that you've known throughout your life. Yeah. But I've known what it's like to carry Stephen. I've known what it's like to feel him kick. Yeah. I've known what it's like to have him respond to something that I ate that he obviously liked Didn't and disliked <laughs> and, you know, kicked off about it. You know, so... I know what that's like. Yeah. So why should I stop remembering him? Yeah. You know, I held him in my arms. I know what it's like to, to have held him. I actually have a teddy bear now, and he weighs the same as what Stephen weighed, 420 grams. Mm. And, like, I can hold that I can hold that bear and feel his weight. Now, the bear is not Stephen. No. But mm. it's still when I need to feel... That added, I suppose it's just that little extra bit of closeness to him. Yeah. That you'll always be close to him, but just to really kind of, okay, I just really need that extra bit today. I'll pick yeah. up the bear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like even just to remind me of what he weighed. Like, yeah. I don't know, for some reason in my head, it was like he was weightless. Mm. He wasn't. And then when I lifted up the bear, and I, when I received it, um, mm. I was like, oh my God. You know, an actual weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's just amazing, like, mm. you know, and there are so many amazing charities out there who do so much. And, you know, I suppose it is, it's talking about our baby, saying their name. It's okay to say their name. Mm. We won't, we won't give you tag rise for saying their name. No. No. The complete opposite. <laughs> we might just hug you first, you know, but, yeah. well, not this day and age, but. Yeah, um, <laughs> socially distant yeah. hug. Yeah, socially distant virtual hug. That's what we're all about these days. Well, I think, as you say, with with so many people talking about miscarriage, um, and stillbirth, and just being vocal about the the needs and the want for support, um, you know, change change is coming. So hopefully, um, hopefully soon enough, uh, you'll hear words on it. So hopefully, well, that's another way that we're including Stephen. You know, Stephen's legacy. That will be his legacy. His legacy, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Just yeah. yeah, it's something nice though, that you do. Um, I suppose I'm not, I don't want to say like in memory of him, but obviously it's in his honor. His, he's like the driving force behind it. He gives you the strength to keep knocking on the doors and to keep campaigning. Um, and then for the girls, when when it comes through, it will be something that they can be so proud of to be like, you know, yeah. well, our parents did this. You know, they've done it with the help of so many other parents out there. Um, and here's our brother now. Yeah. Here's his number. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, here's his number. This is him. Um, no, and like I'm, I've always said that. No, I'll fight for all my kids. But I'll fight for them whether they're here or not. If there's something that I believe is wrong, you know, I will keep going until um, I see change until they, you know, they, they get the treatment that they deserve. <laughs> I suppose it's getting back to the whole thing of where we don't get to have memories and make memories. So for me, I do this as a way of going, well, I'm imagining that this is what my life is like with, with Tyg. So these are my memories. Yes, they only stay in my head. And, you know, if they're shared, they're shared in a journal with them. But it's it's some way for me to kind of keep going and keeping the, the innocence of his childhood 
alive, if I'm making sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like um, last year, season would have been starting in doing the Um So yeah, we had a school bag picked out from everything. Um, and what he would have been into, I can't imagine that it was either TJ Masks or Pop okay. Troll. <laughs> um, yeah, because that's the big thing now. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I suppose maybe maybe. No, and I, yeah. I suppose it's just something that I I like to think of it as a, a, a I think it's a way of having them still in the presence with us. Yeah. Um, as I say, I'm not too sure whether it will be considered healthy or not um, from a mind point of view or from a... But the people who wouldn't necessarily have experienced bereavement mightn't get yeah. it. But obviously, um, the rest of us do get it and we do go like, yeah, this is what they would be like. And yeah, but you think about it, it's like, um, you know, my dad passed away 13 years ago, but I still think about like, oh, I wonder what he'd be doing now. What would he be doing now with all his grandkids? Yeah. No, so it's okay to think about... Why is it okay to think about somebody who has been here and who's died and what they would be up to? Why why should it be any different because our babies aren't here? Yes. You know, they're yeah. still part of us. They're still mm. part of, you know, our family. And why why shouldn't we think about what they would be like? Yeah. You know, you're always going to wonder what, what life would have been like if things had been different. I think that's just normal. Mm. Um, and I'd be surprised if people thought that we were crazy because we you know, think about what it would be like. What could be, what could have been, yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but again, no, I've no problem remembering Stephen and imagining what he would be like. Um, there are times, and it's heartbreaking to have a moment where you think about something that he would be doing, and yeah, it can be a real trigger. Yeah. Um, I mm. suppose the first day of school, School bags, and you know, seeing the newspaper articles with all the babies starting and junior infants. Yeah, that can be. I think I tend to avoid watching the news around then, and you know, getting the newspaper or reading anything online about it. It's just too much of a trigger. Yeah, you know, but it's okay. It's okay to be triggered, and it's okay to say, "Well, okay, I need to protect myself and not look at stuff like this." Mm-hmm. You know, it's what we have to do for ourselves. Yeah, and comply with what's expected of us in society is just society needs to adapt you know we always have to adapt to different things so this is just another thing that people need to adapt they need to yeah change Um, as you say society needs to accept the fact that it's not um, there's no time limit on grief and we'll we'll take as long as we take and we'll do it in whatever way everyone grieves differently Um, and what might be working for me mightn't work for you and yeah. there's no right way or wrong way we just do what we can to survive I know you have um you've you've an excellent motto because you've said it to me over the years for getting through oh um the one breath at a time yeah. never mind one step at a time it's always one breath at a time yeah yeah uh, and that's very much something that uh, when things I suppose get on top just pull out that yeah. motto and just live by that and we just take take our grief and take our our journey one breath at a time. Yeah. Well, like they say, life is a roller coaster. Life is a roller coaster. Don't burst into song. 
you know, it is very much a roller coaster, and this part of the roller coaster is full of twists and turns. One minute it could be, you know, you could be the sun could be shining in the sky, then the next minute it's like you're under a dark cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, and what is the case of, you know, you will get past the loop, you know, and you will get onto the straight bit or whatever, or the climb the hill part of it and then go off down again, you know, and there is no getting off it, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's part of you and, you know, you don't need to hide it. You never have, should have to hide it. No. Um, and it's not just a simple case of like, oh, you know, you're this far down the line, you should be over it now. No. That's the song. That's the song. Like I said, my dad's 13 years dead and I still miss him every day. Yeah. Still think about him every day. You know? And then, oh, and as you say, that's it, it's fine. It's fine and it's accepted for you to do that. So it should be fine and accepted for you to remember Stephen every day. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But we'll keep going on and I'll keep you posted on the whole campaign anyway. Do, do, please. Um, we will touch base again to um, hear how it's going. Um, Fingers crossed. We'll see you in a while later. Yes. Grand. So, so um, I think that's everything. And if that is, yep. I'd like to thank you for sharing Stephen with me um, and telling me his story and sharing the memories. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me the space and the time to do it. I appreciate it. No worries. I would like to thank Caroline for allowing me to share Stephen's story here. If you've been affected by anything in this podcast, please reach out and ask for support. I have listed the names of some support organisations in the episode details. Please know you are never alone. We are all here to help support each other, to acknowledge our babies and to remember them. In the next episode, I will speak with Michelle and remember her little girl, Fia.